Welcome to the Psychedelic Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Ettinger. Today we chat with Charlotte James and Andrea Dre-Wright of The Ancestor Project. They facilitate sacred earth medicine wisdom through Cambo and Repay ceremonies in order to reduce harm and expand consciousness, particularly in the BIPOC community. They believe that sacred earth medicine is key in liberating all oppressed peoples. The Ancestor Project holds ceremonies in Baltimore and New York City. Today we chat about the origins of the project, the impacts they're having on their communities, and how that aligns with healing in the Black community over the last year. This interview was recorded on May 12, 2021. Hi, Dre and Charlotte. Welcome to the Psychedelic Spotlight podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, peace and blessings. Why don't we start by telling uh, our listeners what the Ancestor Project is? Yeah, so the Ancestor Project is a Black-led platform for psychedelic education, legal ceremonies, and integration. And our mission is really to return reverence to sacred earth medicine traditions and look to ancestral practice as a form of harm reduction for modern journeyers. And we do this by offering um, different educational series and masterclasses, online resources. Um, we do ceremony with uh, combo medicine and rape, and then we provide integration circles and one-on-one preparation and integration uh, support sessions. When did you start um, start the project? Uh, we launched last. February or January in 2020. Um, We're based in Baltimore City and had a number of local events lined up. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and um, we decided to put the concept online and since then have have really um, grown a really beautiful community uh, and medicine family. And how do you transition that to an online event uh it's very different than you know sitting sitting with with peers uh are they are they using substances or this is just conversation about their experiences yeah so um in our integration circles it's a time for folks to come together and talk about um their past experiences with medicine or or journeys that they're preparing for um and those circles are for BIPOC folks. So it's really about creating safe, judgment-free space to share about our journeys and support one another. Um, Combo ceremonies are an in-person offering. And then rape ceremonies, we actually do virtually. Um, We share resources on the origins and history of the medicine, um, how to create ceremony for yourself and um, provide folks with um, some medicine and medicine tools and then we come together on Zoom and um, we have ceremony together. Can you talk about these substances um, for our listeners? What is combo and what is repay? Sure. Um, so about for, our, our medicine allies. Yeah, yeah right. So we, we want to change, change some of the language to substances to um, these are you know, animal and plant spirits that you're building relationships with, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a commodity that that does something for you only. It's a relationship you're building. So the two medicines specifically, we 
we work with are Kamb, uh, which comes from the green tree monkey frog, um, or the Medusa bicolor. Did I do that right? Did I say that right, Charlotte? Did I get it right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so the, this frog, um, the secretion of these frogs, we use that medicine, expose, expose it to your lymphatic system. And in short order, uh, a person does, goes through a deep purging process takes between, you know, 15 to 40 minutes and then they take a really beautiful nap and then they wake up usually refreshed and, and you know, ready to, to seize the day. Um, it has the highest concentration of neuropeptides that we, that, uh, that has been found in any uh, cocktail. And it is extraordinarily beneficial to, uh, for all kinds of healing uh, and mental, physical and spiritual healing. Um, and it, the actual first use of that medicine was in a pandemic so this is uh, apropos to the time we're in now. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's combo. And then uh, rape, hype is pronounced differently depending on what, what lineage you're, 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 you're speaking from. Uh, this medicine is what we call grandfather medicine. It's made primarily of mapacho and some seeds and bark and, and made into an ash and fermented uh, and prayed over the entire time it's done. And then we use that as a, like a, we, it's a snuff that is blown in your nose. Uh, and this medicine is really beautiful for removing anxiety, depression, clean, clearing the monkey mind, deep, deeply rooting you into your meditation. Uh, it's also great for like, if you're having a challenging conversation or, um, or, uh, you're about podcasts and you have um, anxiety around talking to people, talking to thousands of people in the podcast. I'm just joking. Um, but it's a really beautiful medicine for like grounding and healing and centering, centering you and yourself before, you know, any ceremony uh, that you're going to uh, enter. Um, yeah. Beautiful medicine. How did you come to focus on these two? I mean, there are lots of medicines out there. What drew you to these? Mm. I mean, so for us, these medicines call us and then we answer the call to these medicines, right? Um, And, you know, so then then the short answer would be just being obedient (laughs) to the call. Um, You know, from a Western perspective, I would say that I am a person who is really focused on results. Like, so I don't, uh, I'm not a big... uh, you, you know, if I'm not getting a result from that treatment or, or practice, it's not something I'm interested in. And, you know, these, these, these practices were really profound. I saw, you know, immediate um, uh, benefit from these practices. And so um, it's just, you know, there was a, a natural desire to serve these medicines as best I can. Yeah. yeah. And I would add, you know, um, in addition to that and answering the call, these are also two medicines that are legal in the United States. And so they facilitate, they, they make it so that mm-hmm. we're able to safely welcome a predominantly BIPOC community into ceremony um, and keep ourselves safe while we do this work. So you know, we, we talk a lot about some of the barriers to access for BIPOC communities in the psychedelic space. Um, and, you know, stigma around legality is certainly um, a conversation that 
that has to be taken into consideration. Because of higher incarceration rates, just in general, yep. um, substance. Mm -hmm. Right, and um, yeah, just the toll, not only higher incarceration rates, but also like the social and mental toll that the war on drugs has had in BIPOC communities um, and in our perception of these medicines, despite the fact that most of these, many of these medicines come from BIPOC traditions. That's so true. So how, uh, so how are you reaching members of the community and, and helping them, um, I guess, step outside of that fear? And, and is it because the substances are legal or, or what are the ways that you're having that conversation? You want to touch on that, Jerry? Let me start. Mm, ask the question one more time. In terms of reaching BIPOC community, and because there are some some fears around substance use, how are you how are you connecting with them and and getting them to um, to participate? Mm, education, right? Yeah, that's education. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Education is you you make someone aware of the truth, and then they, you know, if they are ready to answer the call, they they do. Is that through? Uh, specifically like social media campaigns or, I mean, how are you just in, in able to connect with people that you think would be a good um, candidate or are they seeking you out? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the first thing is we have, um, you know, we have the social media, we have a, a, a website with lots of free information. Uh, we've got lots of free down, downloadable informations. We also do lots of um, classes, uh, through like Zoom, that platform where we where people can come on and have conversations, or we have healers come from all over the world and and, and share like uh, their traditions and and uh, how those traditions can support uh, a greater healing. For us, what's really important is is to get away from the Western approach where you have you know humans who are new new to the conversation who are pretending that they're discovering something new kind of like Christopher Columbus discovered you know the Americas right versus talk to the people who have been practicing these traditions for millennia you know and asking them asking you know to impart their wisdom yeah, and sharing their experiences and of course you know these plants are um and animals are our ancestors they're older and wiser than us so like you know listening to them is where I'm going to get that, you know, the deepest knowledge and understanding about like, uh, you know, how to, how to interact with these medicines by having a correct uh, conversation with them. Right? Uh, these are, you know, ancient medicines, like you're saying, there are so many companies now working to synthesize those or uh, extract components, um, try to isolate key uh, healing um, properties. Uh, it sounds like you're more interested in the in the whole approach. Um, how do you see those two kind of sides of the of the psychedelic coin uh, moving forward? Yeah. So uh, you know, there's two sides of it. One is like when you think of something like peyote, right? Where peyote takes a long time to grow, and if if just uh, you know half of Americans began to use this medicine, like it we wouldn't have any of it, right? So in cases like that, it is an argument to synthesize uh, that medicine. But in general, what we know, uh, you can use cannabis as an example, is that these medicines work in an entourage effect, right? So 
you know, cannabis, as an example, people tend, tend to focus on THC, CBD. Maybe someone who's a little bit more sophisticated knows about terpenes um, and, and how they interact. But there are 66 different cannabinoids that we, we currently know about in cannabis. In addition to that, we t- typically are focused on the bud, the bud of the, of the flower, the flower versus the, the stalk and the roots of all efficacious for you, for you as a human. Um, and then even the narrative around why we use and consume this medicine with cannabis, it's about getting high versus being, getting well, right? So, you know, we just want to be, we want to be alerted to that, to those, those ideas. I also um, have gone on a tangent, so I don't actually know if I've answered the question. <laughs> uh- Certainly, um, to a degree, but I think I was looking at um, also, you know, as some of these medicines become more mainstream, and, and right. I know some companies are even looking at taking out the, the the side effect, which for a lot of people is that the hallucination or the purging, yeah. uh, and they still feel like there are um, they're seeing benefits, um, you know, in the brain um, without necessarily that, you know. So that's so. Let me ask you. So the easiest answer to that question is McDonald's, right? So whenever we, <laughs> whenever we, let, we allow people to take a commercialized approach to anything, it is harmful. You know, tobacco, for example, is a sacred medicine um, that was used by our ancestors for for millennia in ceremony, right, as a place of protection and amplifying our prayers. But when we use it as something to, you know, relax ourselves from stress, we can potentially cause harm for ourselves, right? So I think, you know, the, the Western approach to, to like, uh, these medicines is, is clear, right? Or food, just even how we approach food is extraordinarily harmful, right? And mm-hmm. the idea <laughs> that you, would, that some, that we would take out, you know, this is a sacred plant medicine that has been used to expand our consciousness, right? Oh, but we want to take out the, the, the things that make us uncomfortable, right? Well, part of... <laughs> Part of becoming conscious is to sit in your discomfort, right? Is to get past that trauma. Right? You can, there's there's no McDonald's approach to 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 you know your evolution of consciousness. So that would be my yeah. answer. Yeah, I think this conversation. So we you know we recognize that people may feel comfortable coming to these medicines or answering the call in different ways, um, but I think exactly what Dre is saying, like to remove. First off, it's not a side effect, you know, the mystic aspect, the mysticism, mystical, that is, and even in these, like, we believe that our ancestors already did the research. So, you know, all of this sort of doing new research is, again, as Dre said, Christopher Columbusing all over uh, the psychedelic space. Um, And in addition to that, though, contemporary research still shows that the breakthrough point is the mystical experience. So when you take that away, you're taking away what makes these medicines powerful. Like you're taking away the spirit of the medicine. Um, I mean, there's just like so much that can be, can be said about what is already happening in the psychedelic industry um, as we would call it and what we could learn from cannabis. Um but yeah, I think this like the human approach of trying to control everything is exactly why we are in the space that we're in. 
-hmm. Yeah, it just, it doesn't really work like that. You have to surrender to the process and to the potential discomfort. Um, There's a lot of talk about how these are magic pills or breakthrough treatments, which also removes the personal responsibility from having to commit to your preparation and integration work. If you're not doing that, these medicines are not going to serve you. They don't, they don't cure you. It's a symbiotic relationship that you have with them to improve your life and expand your consciousness in this, in this human experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and then, you know, they also, the potential is because, you know, you know, in this question, this, this is part of like this Western construct of like, I, I chose the medicine versus the medicine chose, chose me. And I answered the call and it is a relationship I'm building with these sacred me- medicines, right? The arrogance, right. And the idea that I'm going to, you know, distill something that takes out one thing, another, another in my infinite wisdom of a, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 year old, 50 year old person versus these plants that are, you know, the wisdom of 65 million years. Right. Um, but I, but now all of a sudden I, as a human, you know, better than these practices that have been successful. It's just so crazy that we even get into these conversations in the first place. Right. It's just, you know, it's, it's absolutely nonsensical. And then when you see what you can see is that all these human beings who approach the medicine this way, you know, look at microdosing. Everyone's talking about microdosing so that I can work longer, harder, faster, push out more code so that I can get more people addicted to more Instagrams and more Facebooks and then further detached from other human beings. Like clearly if, if all these humans who have had so much privilege, who have been doing all these medicines in the West, have had access to these medicines, if they had, if their approach was an approach that was, you know, let me just say the most conscious, then we probably wouldn't, we would be solving real big problems like poverty, homelessness, hunger, racism, sexism. These things would have been addressed already. But the issue is, is because the West is so caught up in this idea of rugged individualism and like isolation and extraction, then what you have is like uh, an intense degree of narcissism in our communities, right? Where people are thinking like, I'm a guy, right? And then this is how you can get someone, you know, who is on the Capitol, you know, committing felonies, like, and saying that he's with a, like, I don't know, an, an animal head that he's disrespected and disgraced. And, um, you know, one of our relatives, one of our sacred relatives, and then, you know, uh, saying that he's a shaman, right? This is the type of insanity that can happen when, <laughs> And when Westerners don't go, don't realize how you look, you, we are the babies on the block, right? And we don't know very much of anything. Your job as a human is to be quiet and listen to your ancestors and relatives for the wisdom that they will teach you by surrendering to these medicines. Do you think um, as the, I guess the commercial side of psychedelics uh, increases, you know, you have like uh mind med just going public uh, last week um is that also bringing people back to this um the traditional or you know the original way of taking these medicines do you think that one of those one of the benefits even um is, is just bringing more more awareness and more unity around these types of experiences mm. This is kind of like the Malcolm X, Martin Luther King conversation, right? 
where Martin Luther King may have been so, so effective in his rhetoric because they definitely didn't want to listen to what Malcolm X had to say, right? So this guy was safer. He was talking about nonviolence. So I think, you know, is there an argument that because people are approaching this in a way that is causing harm and trauma, that somehow that will, people will see, well, that impact is not what I want. So maybe I'll look at how ancestors, maybe. I think that's kind of like the excuse the West has used for a lot of that. Well, we could say that about slavery, <laughs> right? 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 <laughs> so my answer would be no. Free immigration, <laughs> like no. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, Dre said it, and like we see where the microdosing conversation really surged maybe ten years ago, five to ten years ago was in Silicon Valley, and the conversation was not around how you work with these sacred medicines to dismantle your oppression and therefore. Uh, stop the projection and replication of systems of abuse, it was, how do I produce more for this system of abuse? So if you don't have the conversation of how you decolonize yourself um, and deinstitutionalize, which is what these medicines ask us to do, right? They want us to break down these paradigms um, and systems, and yet we're trying to take them and place them back within these systems and institutions uh, and look for the same effect or efficacy rates um and it just it doesn't from our perspective it does not work like that so when working with um uh, people this last year have you done any in-person events or it's all just been online Mm -hmm. yeah we've done um combo ceremonies uh private and then very small groups intimate groups and I imagine now coming out, uh, I don't know how, how it is over there, but in Los Angeles, we're, we're in yellow tier and we're getting uh, lower rates than ever. So starting to get back to normal. Are you anticipating filling up um, some events over uh, the summer or um, just kind of wait and see how this pandemic plays out? No, I mean, you know, for us, you know, um, I, I think, you know, so it's a great question. I think it's, it, for me, it is irresponsible to do large group ceremonies unless you have a large group of facilitators supporting those people. So we, we have a, a team of three people, so we can only we can only support, you know, maybe nine people at a time in combo treatments and really do an effective job of holding space and supporting them, maybe between nine and 12. And so that's going to be our, we, we do ceremonies in Brooklyn once every other month and in Baltimore uh, the, you know, one, we flip, flip flop one, once a month. And then we do private ceremonies, you know, whenever people, um, you know, hear the call and ready to, to support themselves in that way. Uh, you know, a, a part of our conversation now is because, you know, we have a lot of people who are coming to us for ceremony. We can't support all those folks is to, uh, in the, probably in the fall, we're going to start, we're going to open up for probably five to 10 new apprentices to teach them this medicine. So these medicine ways so that they can begin to share this, share this. Cause you know, we, we, we all as our species certainly needs healing, right. And we need to find better ways to heal versus taking, you know, drugs that have co- major contraindications and are harmful for us and don't really heal. Where, whereas we have a medicine that, you know, can heal, you know, many or most ailments that we have without those contraindications. And instead of being sick for 
months or years or whatever, you know, it's like 15 minutes, you, 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 you get well, and then you can go on with your life, right? And it would be great, you know, my, our vision is that at some point, you know, every dad, mom, grandma, uh, you know, has combo kit. And um, when the little ones or themselves are not feeling well, they can, you know, do a combo treatment and, and heal themselves, right? And so what does that look like um, for somebody um, participating in a ceremony? Is it one ceremony or do they sign up for a number of them? And then what is the integration like after that? Oh, thanks for asking. So there's three parts. There's three parts that are important, three elements that are important for our ceremonies. The first one is is preparation. So we spend a lot of time with a practitioner getting them prepared for a ceremony. So they do a health and wellness intake that takes them about two hours to do. Uh, that's a ceremony in itself. And then we have a preparation conversation that takes about an, an hour, 40 minutes an hour. And then there's the ceremony. And then there is the integration process. And, um, and that process is a lifelong experience. But, you know, part of that you know, part of that is we are, there's questions that we are asking them to ask themselves, right? Doing, doing a deep inventory of self and asking, you know, what are the habits, beliefs, ideas, people in your life that no longer serve you, right? That you're excited to let go of. And then what are the habits, beliefs, and people in your life that you're excited, to, that you're excited to attract in your life, right? And we use the word attract on purpose. We don't want people to, to get into this, this idea that is simply about me being like, you know, uh, you know, because what what will happen is people will approach the healing process with that type A Western perspective, right? Oh, I gotta, I gotta do the yoga perfectly and I've got to go every day and I've got to, I'm not, I'm, I'm not meditating right. And that's not really, that's, that actually is causing you more trauma, right? It's gentleness and respect and reciprocity and balance is what is what we're looking to achieve. And we're simply just asking some very gentle questions about ourselves, our body, mind, spirit, environment, and community. And, and, and do those areas of your life nourish you? And then when you're not being nourished, then we need to do something different to nourish yourself because every one of us deserves unconditional love for ourselves and for each other. And that's, that is the path of healing like unconditional love for yourself and others. And in this last, I mean, year and, and really, um, you know, centuries, um, how, how are you addressing um, struggles for uh, BIPOC community? And I mean, we just had this George Floyd verdict. I'm sure there was a, a lot of tension um, and concerns from the community before that. And, and even certainly after, is that something that you that you address just um, what it's what it's like living uh, in this in this world with all of the challenges and struggles and and victories uh, in the community. Yeah, so this this many great question, many parts to that. The first one is is that you know what's unique about the BIPOC community is that typically when someone is coming to a ceremony, they're coming to relieve a trauma that they'd experienced in the past. But for us, there's a, there's a uniqueness in that even in addition to that past trauma, we are dealing with the daily reality. We're constantly being traumatized uh, at every breath in this in this structure that is attacking us and targeting us. Right. So that is a, a, a additional set of circumstances that we have to support ourselves with. Right. 
And then how do you um, logically, um, how do you logically dismantle a structure um, that is disabusive, that has been in place for so, so long? Uh, if you're only using just the logical linear approach, you, you're never going to be successful. Our real superpowers is getting connected connected to the the name that we chose before our parents were born, and really understanding and instead de- deconstructing colonization, really asking questions about like how much of what we have been taught to believe about ourselves as people of color is actually from our perspective, or is it the perspective of the of our of the people who have oppressed us? How much much of this language that we're speaking is actually beneficial to us versus re-traumatizing us, right? Like in our culture now, what's really popular is for me, for everyone to run and gravitate towards a a, a, tight, a label. I'm a this, or I'm a that, or I'm that, right? And then they, and then they constantly re-traumatize uh, themselves by embodying that story about self, right? Versus, you know, letting go of that story, like letting go into a bucket and like creating, choosing the new story for yourself. So like deconstructing all of this is, is, is essential to your, for our collective liberation. And really one of the most profound and effective ways to do that is connected with these medicine, this medicine path, right. And, and, and listen to these wise elders who can teach you. Is racism uh, a core concern for people coming into the medicine from the community? Is that something they're actively saying, like, I have, I have trauma over this that, I, that I'm working through? Or are they more, you know, personal traumas, family traumas? It's like a compounding, layered, layered trauma. So there's historical and ancestral trauma. Mm-hmm. Then there is what you've experienced in this lifetime as a BIPOC person, as a uh, gender nonconforming person, um, as a queer person, right? And then there's like the acute trauma that you experience that may not be identity based and is just part of being a human. So, um, you know, folks come in. Certainly we hear lots of experiences of people being re-traumatized in medicine spaces because of um, spiritual bypassing and just unconscious communication um, from other participants, from facilitators, from guides. Um, So there's a lot of education that needs to happen around how to best support folks that are coming from marginalized communities and identities. How has the work that you're doing um, as facilitators changed your relationships with the medicines or has it? Mm. Mm, That's a really good question. Yeah, I think (laughs) so. um, You know, we take this approach to ceremony that you have to come in as like a clean mirror. Um, and it's a space for somebody to reflect. So it really, um, you know, the medicine requires that you do a lot of your own deep self-reflection and work so that you can clean yourself out and be a vessel to support whatever the person coming to ceremony needs in that moment. Um, And so I think for me, yeah, I mean, 
I'm like constantly learning about myself and confronting my own shadow through um, what I experience uh, in ceremony with myself and with others. Mm, yeah. Yeah. For, I guess for me, it's all of what Charlotte just said is true. If I think about my, my maturation, I, you know, my very first experiences with these sacred plant animal medicines were, were so profound that I, I knew I wanted to share, you know, this with, with folks. And then I went through a process of the time of proselytizing, like running to, Oh, you got it. Let's put LSD in the water, drinking one, all that type of stuff. Uh, and then, um, luckily for me, I was working with, um, with medicines like ayahuasca, uh, which, you know, if you have a huge ego, she's a great medicine to work with because she's going <laughs> to, it's going to, she's going to put you on your belly and your back enough times. And you're going to purge enough times. You realize you're really not that important. You're just a vessel. <laughs> so, so, and, and then it went to a place of like, I, I am really nowhere near qualified no, in any time in my life, one in my life, and this, I will ever be qualified to be a facilitator. So the only way that I'm going to be effective at doing this is to completely humble myself, empty my vessel and allow these medicines to work through me that I am not the genius. They, they, these medicines are the genius and the masters. And all I am doing is, is facilitating is keeping creating a safe space so that these medicines can work, can, can connect with that person and show them the name that they chose before their parents were born. Well, thank you so much, Dre and Charlotte. Um, for more information, people can visit you at theancestorproject.com. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Thank you so much. Thank you. Global Track Solutions, Inc. and Psychedelic Spotlight does not in any way encourage or condone the use, purchase, sale, or transfer of any illegal substances nor do we encourage or condone partaking in any unlawful activities. We support a harm reduction approach for the purpose of education and promoting individual and public safety. If you are choosing to use psychedelic substances, please do so responsibly. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the Psychedelic Spotlight podcast are those of their own, and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Psychedelic Spotlight and Global Track Solutions, Inc.